From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, combining intracameral antibiotics, steroids, and NSAIDs for cataract surgery. Patient compliance is, is a enormous issue with cataract surgery, and there's nothing more frustrating as a surgeon than doing good surgery and have the patient have a suboptimal result because they were non-compliant. First this, this podcast and the following message is sponsored by Glaucos. Glaucos is an ophthalmic medical technology and pharmaceutical company focused on therapeutics for the treatment of glaucoma, corneal disorders, and retinal diseases. Visit www.glaucos.com for more information on their products, such as the iStent and iStent Inject trabecular microbypass devices, as well as corneal crosslinking. As a result of the COVID-19 crisis, the 2020 annual meeting of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery could not be held as originally planned. I'm going to devote a number of podcast episodes to speakers who had prepared presentations. Today, we hear from Eric Donenfeld on non-compliance-proof cataract surgery. Eric, one of my concerns with, with, with my patients is not so much that the medications that I use uh, that I, I, I prescribe for them won't work as that the patients won't take them. And we all talk about compliance with glaucoma patients, but the, the, the group for whom compliance is most acutely an issue, of course, are those patients who are post-operative. Those right after cataract surgery, if they don't take their uh, drops, uh, can wind up with a result that would be a lot different from what we expect with a normal, uncomplicated procedure. I still use eye drops for my patients uh, after cataract surgery, but for each modality of the eye drops, there is now a choice uh, that uh, takes compliance out of the picture. So for steroids, there's Dextenza. I understand there's another intracameral steroid they can use too. Uh, for the antibiotic drops, it is possible to give intraoperative uh, uh, intracameral moxifloxacin uh, and of course, there's a route uh, during cataract surgery uh, to give an uh, non steroidal. Um, but I, I don't know of any study uh, that has looked at combining all of these modalities together. And I understand that's exactly what, what you did. So can I get you to describe uh, the study that you performed? And then I want to talk about what the results of the study were. Sure, and uh, Josh, uh, this was a very interesting study for us, and, and you mentioned really very appropriately that patient compliance is, is a enormous issue with cataract surgery, and there's nothing more frustrating as a surgeon than doing good surgery and have the patient have a suboptimal result because either one, they were non-compliant, or number two, they're just physically unable to take their medications. And a lot of our patients, for a variety of different reasons, are unable to take their medications, whether it be due to arthritis or um, neurologic disease, psychological disease. So uh, a better delivery system is really important. And I feel it's really crucial that the physician take control of post-operative medications, which is really the goal of all of these medications that we now have available to us. We have Dextenza, which is a um, punctal plug drug delivery of dexamethasone, and we have Dexacue, which is an intracameral slow-release 
um, dexamethasone that's released into the anterior chamber. In addition to that, drops given two, three, four times a day have peaks and troughs. When you use a delivery device like this, you get a nice plateau of drug delivery, which makes it a more therapeutic approach as well. So with that as a background, uh, John Hovenessian, who did this trial with me and I, uh, looked at two different groups of patients. We looked at patients um, uh, who received either Dextenza, which is from Oculotherapeutics and is a punctal plug drug delivery. And uh, I was the first author on that paper and Dr. Hovenessian the second author. And he was the first author on a patient, on a paper that looked at Dexacu, uh, given intracamerally. And I was the second author on that paper as well. So patients who, were ent who entered the trial were given the opportunity to participate in a study in which one eye received the drug delivery system, whether it be Dextenza or Dexacu, depending upon the trial. They received intracameral moxifloxacin, and they received uh, intracameral omidria, which contains Keterolac at high levels. That was given in one eye randomly, and the other eye randomly received traditional topical eye drops, uh, moxifloxacin, Keterolac, and prednisolone, all given uh, uh, four times a day. And then we looked at the patient preference, the pain, complications, clinical outcomes were all evaluated for both of these groups of patients um, after uh, one to two months of post-operative follow-up on these patients. And what did you find? Well, first of all, how, how many patients participated in the study? And then what did you find? What, what were your results? Uh, we had 60 patients in the Dextenza trial and 40 patients in the Dexacute trial. So both patients, uh, both groups had bilateral surgery. So we were looking at 120 eyes in the Dexenza study and 80 eyes in the Dexacute trial. And the results of, this, of the trial showed that obviously um, patient preference was extraordinarily uh, towards the use of uh, the drug delivery system where eye drops were removed. Uh, we had no infection, so endophthalmitis was not a concern. And as an aside, I'll mention the now that in Europe, uh, they almost no, never use topical eye drops anymore for, with antibiotics. Um, they, only, they only use intracameral antibiotics. And there have been many studies that have shown that the intracameral use of moxifloxacin is probably the most important step in reducing the risk of endophthalmitis. So no patients had an infection. Um, secondly, um, no patient had CME, no patient had overt CME, uh, and we did OCTs on these patients, and we looked at the uh, macular thickness between the two groups, and there was no significant difference in macular thickness between the two groups in this trial. And then finally, um, uh, we looked at cell and flare postoperatively, and um, there were just a couple of patients who had cell and flare in the experimental groups that required additional corticosteroids uh, as a breakthrough uh, treatment for patients who had cell and flare. And this was given to patients who had some photophobia, but there was only, I believe, a total of three patients in the trial who required these additional medications. Most patients were very comfortable with the use of the medications, and patient preference, again, was overwhelmingly towards the use of um, intracamel medications and drug delivery systems rather than the use of topical medications. 
let me ask you the um, elephant in the in the in the room here is is this that I I I would uh, prefer to use a delivery device for steroids, but it's very pricey, and it's uh, in my experience so far, and I know that it's early days. It's hard getting it covered. How do you manage that? Well, cost is obviously an enormous issue, and something that we should all be aware of. The good news is that. Uh, all three medications, Dextenza, DexaQ, and Omidria, are all pass-through products. So if a patient has Medicare, Part B, and a coinsurance, there is no cost to the patient for using these medications. So um, the cost has been removed. As a matter of fact, it's cheaper for the patient to use these medications rather than using the topical medications which they have to buy. So we've had many patients come to us who've said that it costs hundreds of dollars to buy their topical medications with cataract surgery. Um, In our trial, uh, the patients uh, did not pay for the medications. They were part uh, of the trial. But if a patient, again, has Medicare Part B and a coinsurance, all these medications are given to the patient at no cost. So that's an additional reason why patients liked it as well. It was a significant cost savings to them as well. Now, if a patient doesn't have Medicare Part B, uh, and, and then they, they really, it does become expensive, but we're hoping that insurance companies will start covering these medications in the very near future. But for the majority of our patients who do have Medicare Part B, this is an ideal situation. It's almost like an IQ test. You can get the, all these medications given to you at no cost, and you have no compliance issues, or you can use the medications which cost you a significant amount of money, and you have to put the drops in four times a day. Now, one of your your treatment arms had patients that used antibiotic drops. What what is your standard protocol? Do you, do you usually give intracameral, or do you usually put patients on postoperative fluoroquinolone eye drops? Um, traditionally, I've been giving uh, topical fluoroquinolones uh, for my patients, and I you know I think they're all pretty good. Um, but I think based on my experience here and based on the European experience and based on some studies done here in the United States as well, um, I think I'm going to probably stop using topical antibiotics unless I'm making a, uh, a coronary relaxing incision where I, where I have a keratitis risk. So if I'm doing a LRI, for example, I'll, I will use a topical medication. But if I'm just doing traditional cataract surgery with a scleral tunnel or a, a clear corneal trapdoor incision, then I'll probably will stop using topical antibiotics under those conditions. So ha- having found what, what you, what you found, and as, as you say, I mean, it, it, it seems to be a very, very clear case. Um, is this going to be your, your standard protocol using a, uh, particularly using a delivery device for a, a steroid for patients for whom these devices are covered? Yes. Um, I feel that based on our results in this trial, I think that using either Dextenza or DexaQ uh, as a corticosteroid drug delivery system with uh, Omidria, which contains Ketorolac, um, if they're covered by their, by their um, insurance, I see no reason to have a patient have to take medications when we feel that the results are pretty comparable uh, and certainly much more compliant with use of physician-controlled drug delivery systems. There's a number of patients where uh, compliance or physical uh, disability makes this an extraordinarily attractive opportunity for the patient. 
I, I think that for patients who are very capable of taking drops, I think this is a nice alternative, but for patients who aren't capable of taking their medications, this is such a advance in therapy that it's really something that we all should be considering using on a routine, on a routine basis. Eric, I want to thank you for 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 bringing the this you know highly clinically relevant uh, and I hope for me practice changing uh, study. Uh, and as always, Eric, for being so you you know you're a busy guy for being so very generous with your time. Josh, always a pleasure talking to you. Eric Donenfeld is clinical professor of ophthalmology at the New York University School of Medicine. He's in practice at OCLI Vision in Garden City, New York. We want to express our appreciation to Glaucos for sponsoring this podcast. Ask questions of Dr. Donenfeld or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.